right, good morning everyone. Welcome to Victory Way Baptist Church this morning. It's good to see you. And it's wonderful that the Lord has given us another day to live, another opportunity to serve Him uh, throughout today, throughout the week. Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer and just a quick, um, uh, just, to, just to let you know, we're going to turn the house lights off, the Christmas lights will be on, uh, but we have a little something special this morning. And so just want to let you know that the lights will go off, so don't freak out. It's all good. This is planned. Uh, the exits are there and there if you so desire, but uh, just to let you know. But let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for all that you've done for us. I thank you for giving us another breath to breathe. I thank you, God, for allowing us to come together to worship you, to hear from you. I ask that we would worship you in spirit and truth and that uh, you would be honored and glorified through the singing and that we would hear from your word today. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. was young, now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. Come, they told me, for um-pum-pum-pum, the newborn king to see, for um-pum-pum-pum. Our finest gifts we bring, for um pum pum pum, to lay before the king, for um pum pum pum, for um pum pum pum, for um pum pum pum, for to honor him, for um pum pum pum. When we come, baby Jesus, for um pum pum pum, I am a poor boy too, for um pum pum pum, I have no gift to bring, for um pum pum pum. That's worthy of my king, for um pum pum pum, 
does live today, and he came, and he was born of a virgin over 2,000 years ago. Let's go ahead and please stand as we jump into the worship part of our service, starting out with Go Tell It on the Mountain. Please join as we sing.
right now we're going to have our uh, prayer time right before uh, the worshipful song, and then um, uh, Mr. Stephen will introduce our uh, special guest this morning. Uh, but for this morning, we'll go ahead and uh, pray and pray with the person sitting beside you or there um, uh, with your, by yourself and, and ask God that he would speak specifically to us through his word uh, this morning and that we wouldn't hear uh, what we want to hear. We wouldn't hear man's opinion. We wouldn't hear um, something that would um, necessarily just simply make us feel good, but something that God wants us to know today, something from God. That's our prayer. Let's go ahead and take a moment in prayer. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your many blessings on us. You've given us so much. And during this Christmas season, it's so easy to get caught up in the consumer aspect, but we want to praise you for who you are and what you've done for us today. And you've, you've blessed us with so many things. I thank you so much for your word, how it's quick, how it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that we would respond to uh, to your spirit's leading that we would be open to what your word has for us i thank you lord for all you've done and all you're going to do in jesus name amen as ethan said we have a uh, a special guest with us this morning excited to have evangelist richard harper is going to be with us this morning with uh, determined ministries we'll allow him to kind of explain his ministry and maybe he can even uh, share with you a little bit about when family come over as he did in Sunday school uh, there this morning but uh, we're excited to have him and uh, you just come and preach to us just as soon as we have our last song brother it's excitement that's good that's good <laughs> let's go ahead and please stand as we sing holy 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 Lord God Almighty
told me they would introduce me then have a worshipful song and then I would get up to preach and I got up at the wrong time uh, quickly he said uh, to tell you a little bit about our ministry uh, we've now been 25 years in full-time evangelism determined ministries comes from my life verse in first Corinthians chapter 2 the Apostle Paul says in verse 1 and I brethren when I came into you came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the test- testimony of God for I determined verse 2 says not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so we determined that our ministry is going to be about nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what we've done over the last 25 years in 46 states and 17 foreign countries. The Lord has opened the door up for us to preach all around the world. Uh, we're looking forward to a great day today. I'm told to, uh, he also said to tell you what happens when family comes over. Actually, I was the I was the visitor. Went to visit my father-in-law. Actually, we stayed with him while I was preaching a revival in Eleanor, West Virginia, First Baptist Church of Eleanor, and stayed with my father-in-law, wore a mask and all that kind of stuff. Except we're with family's house. Unbeknownst to me, uh, they'd had a funeral at our home church, uh, our old home church, and uh, uh, they put the choir in the place and in the choir loft and they had a, a funeral meal and uh, every single person in the choir and every single person that served the food got COVID and uh, a nasty strain of it I guess uh, 60 people out of the 200 people that attend Maranatha Baptist Church uh, got COVID it spread of course we brought it back to King I gave it to no one I'm happy about that I'm, I'm, I'm actually almost proud of that because as many people as were around we gave COVID to nobody, so I'm, I'm pleased with that. But uh, uh, King, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, Goldsboro, North Carolina, Chattanooga, Tennessee, all had cases. Churches had to shut down because of cases that came from that one funeral. So uh, my father-in-law gave me. I wasn't at the funeral, so I got to get it from my father-in-law. As I told them this morning, 36 years ago, my father-in-law stood in front of a church and gave me something, my wife. And then a couple of months ago, he gave me COVID. I like the first gift he gave me better than the second gift that he gave me. Uh, and so we're still getting over it, by the way. I, uh, I contacted or I got it. Uh, my first symptom was October the 28th. Took a test on October the 30th. Uh, found out on the 31st that we were positive and then uh, began to get worse and worse. I'd preached a whole lot of times 
uh, over a short period of time and was probably drained a little bit. And so on November the 4th, I went to the hospital. Didn't get out until November the 15th, uh, but still better than some people. My, I was telling them my brother in, the, in Sunday school, so if you're in Sunday school, you're here this second time. My brother-in-law got, uh, got it. By the time he went to the hospital, his sat rate, his oxygen level was in the low 80s. His lips were blue. They immediately admitted him, put him in ICU, tried to put a ventilator, install a ventilator, and his lung collapsed. Uh, so they rushed him to Morgantown, West Virginia, West Virginia Medical at Ruby Hospital. They put him on an ECMO machine, which is a complete lung bypass. In other words, he was not, uh, nothing was going through uh, his lungs at all. They would take his blood out and then oxygenate it and then put it back in uh, all the time. And uh, 47 days uh, he was in ICU. He's now in physical therapy and coming home on December the 24th. So we're excited about that. It's actually a miracle. Uh, not uh, About 30% of the people that go on ECMO uh, uh, don't make it. And as a matter of fact, uh, about uh, 75% of people who are on it more than two weeks don't make it. So he's actually a miracle. So we praise the Lord for that. Uh, let me just mention something real quick, too, before we turn in our Bibles. Uh, there are two books. I just brought a few of them in. If you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift for someone uh, under the age of 99, uh, these, these, would be, these would be helpful. The first book is The Adventures of Texas Pete and his trusty horse Tabasco in the town of Red Pepper, Texas. He's the leader of the Chili Pepper Gang. He lives on Mount Harbonero, just outside of Hartburn Gulch, which is not too far from hotter than Blue Blazes Valley. He's an evil man, and a man by the name of Bill, Parson Bill, comes in to plant a church, and he leads Texas Pete to Christ, and everything changes in the town of Red Pepper, Texas. And Pete falls in love with and marries the lovely Bell Pepper. His best friends are the people that are helping plant the church, a man by the name of Hal. His wife is named Pena. And their last name is Pepper. So, yes, that's correct. Hal and Pena Pepper. Uh, so uh, everything changes. Revival comes to the town. The church is planted. Uh, the Chili Pepper gang all get saved. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful, beautifully illustrated book. It's 106 pages long. Uh, and uh, it, it'll tell children the plan of salvation. Boys and girls that won't read a gospel track will read a book about gunfights and stagecoach robberies and Rattlesnake Canyon and places like that. Uh, and the first book is $10 because of the Christmas season. We're having a, a $10 special. If you don't get it uh, before Christmas, you have to pay the full price after Christmas, which is $10, all right? Uh, and also, there's a second book. At the end of the first book, Pete receives a telegram from his old outlaw partner, Pepper Jack. Now, Pepper Jack had gotten saved when he went to visit his brother, Monterey Jack, in the hospital. And now he lives with his wife, Brianna, Bree for short, in the town of Cheddarville, Wisconsin. And they're trying to plant a church there. So Pete and Belle, their son Picante, uh, and their new horse, Pimento, head up to help uh, Pepper Jack plant the church. He, uh, he's got trouble with the Limburger Cheese Gang, headed up by the nefarious Italian crime boss, Don Provolone. And so Pete goes up, he meets Gouda and Munster, he meets a young Hispanic fellow by the name of Asiago, he meets an old gold miner by the name of Al Fredo. So uh, if you're interested, the second book is 20 pages longer, but it's also $10. So if you'd like to get them, you can get them both uh, for the bargain price. If you get them both at the same time, instead of $10 a piece, you can get them both for 20 bucks. okay, if you'd like to get that. And this, everything that comes in uh, from the, the, uh, our resource table goes to offset the cost of our mission trips. Next year, we'll spend a month in Trinidad, assuming the country is open by then. Uh, that's in June, so I think we're safe. 
and then we'll spend from November the 7th until December the 18th in Germany and Italy. So uh, as you can imagine, those trips are not cheap, and we've never one time in all of our ministry asked a missionary to help us, and we don't send out letters to churches saying, please help us, we're going on a mission trip. Nothing wrong with that at all. We've just chosen to use the resources on the table uh, to offset that cost. So it doesn't go to put gas in the car or pay the electric bill. It all goes to mission trips. Go and open your Bibles, please, the book of Matthew. That's enough introductory stuff. Matthew chapter 1. Mark your Bible there in Matthew chapter 1. And then turn, we'll first read in Luke chapter 1. This time of year, of course, we are interested in the nativity narrative, if you will. Everybody is fascinated by what goes on in the nativity. And uh, uh, some nativities have the wise men in there. And you'll hear messages on the wise men. Uh, the wise men probably weren't there. You know, they came to see the young child, not the baby. But the fact is, I have less of a problem with the wise men being in your nativity than some that I've seen that have Santa Claus in the nativity. He definitely wasn't there. And we'll see the shepherds and we'll see the animals, but realistically, the nativity is about the three central characters, isn't it? It's about Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. As we, uh, as we get to this season, you'll hear lots of messages about Mary. I heard a preacher say one time, and it's a very important statement, he said one of the problems with the Catholic Church, and there are several of them, of course, is they make too much of Mary. One of the problems with the Baptist church is we don't make enough of her when it comes right down to it. And we're going to look at her just for a moment by way of introduction. And then, of course, you'll hear lots of messages this time of year on the angels and on the shepherds. And uh, you'll hear messages on the wise men. And you'll hear messages, of course, about our Savior. And, of course, we'll get there uh, this morning. But there is a third character in the nativity that is almost completely left out. You don't hear messages about him. You don't hear a lot about him. Don't read a lot about him in the Word of God. In my opinion, he's one of the most sympathetic characters in all the Word of God and perhaps one of the most tragic characters in the Bible. Of course, I'm talking about Joseph. It's impossible to come up with a name for Joseph. He is not Jesus' stepfather. He is not Jesus' father, although Mary does, in fact, refer to him in the book of Luke as Jesus has been in the temple now for those days. And she said, Thy father and I sought thee sorrowing. She refers to him as the father of Jesus, but we know that that's not actually the case. It's impossible to come up with a, the actual correct title for Joseph. He's more than just a caregiver. He is the person, the male role model or the male person responsible for helping bring Jesus up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So just for the sake of the message, if I refer to him as his father, you'll understand I'm not saying that Jesus is the offspring of Joseph, just that Joseph served in that capacity in young Jesus's life. You're in Luke chapter one. Let's introduce the first of the, the three members of this nativity narrative, if you will. Let's look at Mary and we'll show you something about Mary that maybe we haven't noticed before. This is an amazing woman. We understand that. As I, was in, uh, as I was in Israel a few years ago, every single holy place in Israel now has a Catholic uh, church on top of it. With the, uh, uh, like if you go to the wedding at the Church of Cana where that took place, it is now a Catholic church there. And as you walk into those Catholic churches, what you will see is giant murals on the walls behind the pulpit. Those murals will have pictures of Jesus and, all of, uh, and, and, and angels and all of that. But it's amazing in every one of them, Every place that you go, the mural of Jesus is always beneath the mural of Mary. 
The Catholic Church has decided that she is the co-redemptrix. The Pope spoke ex-cathedral about seven years ago, which means he added to Catholic doctrine by announcing that you were saved not just by Jesus, but by Mary. There's absolutely no biblical truth in that at all. They'll tell you that you need to pray to Mary because Mary has the ear of Almighty God, being the mother of God, they'll call her. But is that the type of person that this woman was? This is a gracious woman. It's a kind woman. Can you imagine delivering your firstborn child? Remember, some of you have multiple children. Remember when you had that very first child? Everything was perfect. I mean, that room was sanitized. Every time something got dirty, you sanitized it. You bought the best of this and the best of that. You had multiple pacifiers, or as some people call them, binkies. And if you dropped a pacifier on the ground, you would have to wait until you had boiled that and sanitized it before you would ever put it back in your child's mouth. So you had multiple pacifiers. By the time you got to your fourth kid, you only had one pacifier. You dropped it on the ground and it got dirty. You picked it up, you brushed it off, you stuck it in your mouth and stuck it back in your kid's mouth. But imagine bringing forth that first child. Oh, we sing about it, about the, the manger. This is not a clean place to lay your firstborn child. But let's look at this Mary, this, this, this wonderful woman. The Bible clearly describes her that way. Look at verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. And I want to show you something that maybe you haven't noticed about this character in the nativity narrative. The Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Let's stop there for just a moment. Let me point something out. There has been nothing said about her being a virgin and having a child. There has been nothing said about her son being great and called the son of the highest. Nothing has been said about his kingdom having no end. Nothing has been said about any of those things. And Mary is going to be astonished. No, if an angel came in and spoke to you, wouldn't the next verse say, how, that blessed art thou among women, and I was astonished at the angel and how imposing he was. Angels are not the pictures that we see in our children's Bible storybooks. They're imposing individuals. And Mary was amazed at his wings, amazed at the brightness of his appearance. That's not what it says. Mary was shocked that she was going to be a virgin and have a child. That's not what the next verse says. I want you to notice what it says, please. Verse uh, verse uh, 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Watch it. At his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Can I point something out to you? This is a woman who got upset when someone called her great. This is a woman that felt uncomfortable when someone said she was blessed among women. This is not a woman who would ever want you to worship her. This is a humble, gracious servant of Almighty God. And think about this about this woman. Of all the people in all of human history that could have given birth to Jesus Christ, Almighty God picked this humble, gracious servant of God to fulfill that role. Please don't put her on a pedestal. But by the way, I say it again. Don't ignore her either. You'll find that throughout her life, almost every time she speaks, she is saying, do what Jesus said. What a wonderful testimony she is. 
Turn us now back to Matthew chapter 1. We get to the meat of the message or to the main character of the message. And of course, if you can preach a message on Christmas and not have the main character, Jesus Christ, you failed in your message on Christmas. But we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about Joseph this morning. Notice Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. By the way, only God, Mary, and Joseph knows that it's before they came together. He's found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, Till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to preach a message just entitled, The Birth of Jesus Christ Was on This Wise. And we'll take a few moments looking at this tragic almost, but certainly sympathetic character by the name of Joseph. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful carols and the wonderful time of singing and how our hearts were uplifted during the song service. Father, thank you that you are holy, holy, holy as well. Father, we pray now that you'll bless this message. We pray that you'll help us as we look, maybe from a different lens, at the birth of your son, the incarnation of your son in that manger in Bethlehem. Have your will and way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is Joseph, and now he knows that the woman with whom he's espoused is with child. This woman who has been set apart to marry him. Two union, a union of two different houses of the house of David. Remember this though, Joseph's line, the line from which Joseph comes, has been rejected in the book of Isaiah. If Jesus were Joseph's son, he could not be the king of the Jews. Mary's line is the line through which the succession, succession would go. And so here are Mary and Joseph, and Joseph finds out that his espoused wife, this sweet wholesome girl that he knows has, is right with God, now he finds out she's with child and he knows it's not his. No one else in the town of Nazareth would know that it's not his, but Joseph and Mary know that this baby is not his. And Joseph could have done what the law required. He could have gone to the high priest and said, this young woman has been unfaithful to me. She's my espoused wife. She has committed fornication, not adultery yet because they were not married yet. She has committed fornication. Remember this, the law of Moses is still intact to the nation of Israel here. Mary should have been stoned for being with child out of wedlock. But Joseph was a just man. She liked the way God gives that compliment to Joseph. Very little, again, that we know about Joseph, but we know he was concerned about Jesus. We know that he was a just man. We know he was an obedient man. We know several things about him, and God puts this name on him. He's a just man. He wants to quietly end the marriage. He wants to quietly put her away so that she's not stoned, that, uh, that she maybe won't be ridiculed by everyone. 
Of course, everybody in the town of Nazareth is going to assume when Mary is with child that it's Joseph's. The angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says, Now, don't, uh, don't put her away. Go ahead and marry her. That which is conceived of her, in her is of the Holy Ghost. You know what that means about Joseph, just for a moment, as I've mentioned, he's a sympathetic character. That means every place they go in Nazareth, someone's going to be whispering behind them. If he goes ahead and marries her like this angel is telling him to do, then everyone is going to assume that it must be Joseph's baby. No man at that time, no man in Israel would marry this woman and go ahead and have the wedding ceremony knowing that she's with child of another man. No man would have done that. The right thing, the best thing to do would have been put her away privily. But Joseph and Mary are going to walk through the streets of Nazareth and every place they go, the whispers are going to go on. People are going to gossip about them. And no one is going to believe when Mary and Joseph say, no, no, this is a virgin that's conceived a child. People aren't going to say, oh, that makes sense. Either Joseph is going to be a man that marries a woman with another man's baby, or he's, been un he's already been wicked in fornication with his espoused wife. Either way, Joseph stays of being revered or looked up to as of someone of the house of David in the city of Nazareth. Those days are over. Now he's going to be mocked and ridiculed and gossips will go on and on about them as they make their way through the city of Nazareth. The angel says, go ahead and marry her. I don't know about you, but I might have had some second thoughts. But Joseph did not. Immediately, as soon as the dream is over, he takes unto him Mary, his wife. Now watch carefully, though, as, as the, this angel describes Jesus to us. He says, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Let me point this out, and I, I don't mean to offend anyone, but of course, I think we all understand this. Everybody in this room is a sinner. But do you realize that you're not a sinner because you sin? You sin because you're a sinner. Therefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, so that, but for that all have sinned, you received a sin nature from your dad, who received his from his dad, who received his from his dad, and the farther back you go, you finally get to Adam, and every person is born a sinner because you inherit that. Whether you want to be a sinner or not, whether you're the worst person in the world or not, but the Bible is clear, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Or as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Or Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19. For the scripture hath concluded all under sin. Or Isaiah 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, you're a sinner, not just because you sin. You sin, because you're, you're, uh, you're, you sin because you're a sinner. The simple truth of the matter is, no father in the history of mankind set his child down and said, listen, son, today daddy's going to tell you how to disobey your mom. Amazingly, they came out of the womb knowing that. You know, we hold little babies in our arms and they look so perfect. They look so sweet and so cherubic. When, when we had our daughter, Charity, I mentioned, I told you a story about her in Sunday school. I guess I'll tell you a story about her now, too. Uh, uh, she was about uh, eight months old, I believe it was, at the time. Now, I was teaching in a Christian school, and I'd finished teaching, change clothes into my suit, and drive to wherever I was supposed to be preaching that night. And so many times I'd leave before Charity woke up and come home after she went to bed. 
And so, and I, ladies, please understand this. I do not want you to put me on a pedestal, although you're going to be tempted to do so when I tell you what I'm going to tell you next. Because of that, every time, without exception, if my wife were here, she would tell you it's true, that my daughter woke up in the middle of the night, I got up with her. I know, I know, I'm wonderful. But anyway, sometimes that was the only time I would see her during the day. Now, every parent knows that your child, when they were little, had multiple ways of crying. They had that fussy, I didn't get what I wanted way of crying, right? They had the hungry cry. When they thought it was time to eat, whether it was time to eat or not, they had that hungry cry. They had all kinds of different cries, but there's one cry. And every now and then, the fussy cry, eh, you just ignore that because they'll get over that. The hungry cry, no, no, it's not time to eat. When it's time to eat, we'll feed you. But they also had that cry, that scared, that hurt no parent in history ever ignored that. No loving parent in history ever ignored that hurt cry when you heard it. I'm laying in bed over the baby monitor. I hear Charity with that loud, scared, hurt cry. Oh, I didn't wait at all. I jumped up out of bed. I ran across the house. I got to her room. I opened up her door. I reached inside the door right there on the left and turned the light on, expecting to see that the mobile, that mobile has fallen down or uh, she's slept awkwardly or she's in some kind of pain. When I turned on the light, she sat up in her bed and went, eh. She knew if she cried, the fussy cry wasn't going to come. But if she cried that hurt cry, daddy would come running. Do you know what my sweet, innocent, almost perfect little daughter had just done? She lied to me. I didn't teach her that. I didn't have to. She was born a sinner. Just like me and just like you. But notice that's not what Jesus was. Notice, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He didn't inherit a sin nature from his father. It's perfection that the Holy Ghost provides. I want you to notice the perfection at his birth. He isn't born a sinner. He isn't born with a sin nature. He isn't born someone who could succumb to the temptings of Satan. No, no. He is perfect. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we and yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot unto God. First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, received by tradition from the vain conversations of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and with without spot. And I know what you're thinking. Of course you're going to say that. You're a preacher. I'm not the only one who said it. Remember Luke chapter 23, verse 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. It's Pontius Pilate that walks out and says, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no 
fault in Him. I don't have a pretty good Savior. I don't have a, a really kind Savior, although He is. I don't have an almost perfect Savior. I have a perfect, holy, spotless, without blemish, without spot, Son of Almighty God as my Savior. Notice, number one, quickly, His perfection at His birth. But notice, number two, the purpose at His birth. There's a significant difference to what the angel tells Joseph and what the angel told Mary. When the angel spoke to Mary, what he told her was all the good news. He, he shall be great. He shall be called the son of a, the highest of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Those are all good things. The angel prophesied to Mary that her son would be Christ. That her son would be the Messiah. That her son would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. But that's not what Joseph hears. I want you to notice and remember the time period we're talking about. I want you to notice what the angel tells Joseph about Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Again, Mary was told about the Christ. Joseph's told about Jesus. Why? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people, watch what it says, from their sins. Now, if it said, he shall save his people from their poverty, that would have meant he would be wealthy. He shall save his people from their ignorance, that would have meant he would be wise. He shall save his people from their oppression, that would have meant he's a warrior. He shall save his people from their sins. Do you realize this? In the Hebrew culture, there's only one way for someone to save someone else or someone or something to save someone else from their sins. It has to be a sacrifice. Almost all things were by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission. The only way that this son that Joseph is going to watch grow up, the only way that this son could save anybody from their sins is to be as John the Baptist said of him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The simple fact is, Jesus, uh, Joseph is told that his son that he's going to raise is going to be a sacrifice. That's the only way in the Hebrew culture to save someone from their sins. Again, what a tragic character. As Mary watches Jesus take his first steps, she's proud and overjoyed. Joseph sits there and thinks, it's just one step closer to being a sacrifice. Mary knows she's raising the Son of God. Mary knows that she's raising the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Joseph knows that what he's raising is the sacrifice of Calvary. Can you imagine the burden on this man's life? Every day of his life wondering, is this the day that he saves the nation of Israel from their sins? Is this the day that... We lose him? Can you imagine how sorrowful Joseph was searching for three days for Jesus when he's left behind in the temple? Is this the day that he becomes the sacrifice? Very little is known about Joseph. We don't know where he went. He's not mentioned very many times in Scripture at all. There are some Bible scholars that believe that Joseph just gave up and left. You can almost understand that knowing the burden that he was carrying. Others believe that Joseph died at an early age. 
I don't know if either one of those are true. I don't think Joseph is the type of man that would have left. But can you imagine when young Jesus comes to his carpenter shop, sits there and looks at his father working diligently? Joseph looks at him and says, I wonder if today's the day that he'll save his people from their sins. What a tragic character he is. Can you imagine that, mom and dad? Oh, there have been parents that have raised children that have sicknesses and uh, those, those commercials with trying to raise money for those hospitals that don't charge anything and treat those precious little bald-headed children. But that's something that we deal with and we struggle with and we fight. But Joseph knows his son was born just to be a sacrifice. As he's there in the manger, laying this child down, holding him for a few moments, he knows, I've just got him for a little while. The fact is, there's a purpose at his birth. Because we're sinners, we needed a perfect Savior, didn't we? We need someone perfect to come and die on an old rugged cross. And Joseph knows the purpose of his birth is to seek and to save that which was lost. Long before he says that to the disciples, Joseph knows. As Mary looks at the baby growing up to a young man, raising in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, she's thinking someday soon he'll sit on the throne. As Joseph watches the same son growing up in the same situation, he's saying one day soon he'll be a sacrifice. You imagine the burden that Joseph is carrying. It makes those nine months of people whispering behind their backs as they walk through the city of Nazareth, commenting on the baby that's born, uh, conceived out of wedlock. It makes that seem like nothing as he knows that his son is born to be a sacrifice. Notice number one, his perfection at his birth. Number two, the purpose at his birth. Notice number three, please, the power at his birth. <laughs> Look at verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, and we'll stop with the first word, God. What a statement. God. Do you know for the first time in all of eternity past, God is going to be confined, at least in a small way, to a baby. For the first time, God is going to be obligated to the laws of space and time. For the first time. God can be touched. For the first time, God can be felt. Remember when Moses wanted to see God, he said, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand and you'll see my hinder parts. And Moses' face shone so much that he uh, had to cover his face with a veil. But Mary and Joseph are going to hold in their arms God. He didn't cease to be God when He came here. He didn't cease to be Almighty when He came here. He didn't cease to be anything that He was in eternity past when He confined Himself to that little baby body to grow. I heard a preacher say one time, the only person in the history of the world that could choose where He was going to be born chose a manger. I'll never forget, Brother Ethan, I was in Israel a few years ago. We went across the border into Bethlehem. And you actually sit there in the shepherd's field and there's a little chapel there. And you go in and you sing Christmas carols. It was February. But singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing in the place where the birth was announced, that'll do something to you right there. 
afterwards, we went inside this little area there, and our, our tour guide, who was Palestinian, you can't have an Israeli tour guide go into Palestine, and you can't have a Palestinian tour guide go into Israel. So our, our Palestinian tour guide he began to tell us that as you look underneath the shepherd's fields, this is interesting, there are caves. There are caves as big as this auditorium under the shepherd's fields. You've heard preachers preach for years and years, and it's true that a storm can come up in the Bible lands that quick, especially on the Sea of Galilee, but all over the Bible lands. They'll just blow in off the sea, and you'll have this huge storm that'll blow through. If a storm came and the shepherds were in the fields, they would take the lambs and the sheep down into those caves and wait the storm out. The tour guide told us that many times a little baby lamb, a little uh, lamb would be born in the cave. He said this, he said, now if you've ever watched a nature show and you've seen a newborn foal or a newborn colt or anything like that, the first thing they want to do, their wobbly legs, they want to run around. But the shepherds knew that if you ran, if this little baby lamb ran around in the cave, he could run into the walls and be scratched and marred and could never be used for temple worship. So what they would do is three shepherds would get together. One would hold the ewe lamb and comfort her. One would catch the newborn lamb as it came out. But the third shepherd would be standing there with, this is exactly what he said, swaddling clothes. And what they would do as soon as that lamb was born, they would wrap it from shoulder to thigh in swaddling clothes. Then they would put it down and it could run around without danger of being marred. And then he said this. He said, so when those shepherds heard the angel say, that there was a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, their first thoughts would have been, it's the Lamb of God. Understand what I'm saying. God came down to that manger. Not just a baby. God. But notice it doesn't stop there. Notice we saw the perfection at His birth. We saw... His purpose at His birth. Number three, we saw His power at His birth. Number four, we see, uh, we see His presence at His birth. Notice it doesn't stop with the word God. It says God with us. For the first time, God was with us. We could see Him. We could touch Him. We could hear Him audibly. Anyone who came around could see Him. Not just certain ones where the Spirit of God came on them and left. Or not just certain ones when the Lord gave them prophecies or gave them Scripture. Anybody in Nazareth could see God with us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24, there is a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. You know, from that moment when Jesus was born in that manger in Bethlehem, from that moment until this, every born-again child of God has had God with us the promise that was made to a few in the old testament moses in exodus chapter 3 and verse 12 certainly i will be with thee and teach you what thou shalt say joshua in joshua chapter 1 the lord thy god is with thee whithersoever thou goest as i was with moses so will i be with thee the promise to jeremiah i will be with thee to deliver thee jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 8 the promise to solomon on the day of his coronation david said the lord thy god is with thee whithersoever thou goest the promise to the disciples, Lo, I'm with you always, even at the end of the world. Then becomes the promise to us. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. There's his presence at his birth. From that day until this, every born-again child of God has had God 
with us. But lastly, please, I want you to see this. We've talked a lot about the tragic character and the sympathetic character that Joseph is. But I think it was all worth it. Joseph wakes up from the dream. He takes Mary to be his wife. We don't know how many months before the actual birth of Jesus this was. They hear the wagging of the tongues. They hear the gossip as they go through Nazareth. Joseph, knowing that this child is going to be born to be a sacrifice. But then comes that night in the manger. That night in Bethlehem. No room for them in the inn. They're out in the stable and Mary gives birth to this baby. What a moment. Before, though, any preacher ever stood in a a pulpit and proclaimed Jesus Christ. Before the angel announced, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Because that took place after the baby was born. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And there was in the same, were in the same country shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks. But I want you to notice what happens here carefully, please. And remember, the name Jesus means he's the sacrifice. Then Joseph, verse 24, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Now watch this. And he, he called his name Jesus. Not Mary. Can you imagine being the first person in all of human history to proclaim the birth of the Savior? you imagine that moment in the manger? Everybody's gathered around. Shepherds are on their way. Angels are speaking on the hillside. And it is Joseph, this tragic, sympathetic character who's heard all the gossiping, who knows that this baby is born to be a sacrifice. It is Joseph that stands up and says to all the world a statement, a name that will echo all the way through eternity. It is Joseph that said, let me introduce you all. Let the whole world meet him. Oh, there's going to be some shepherds and some wise men. They're coming too. But before any of them say anything, let me tell you, this is Jesus. Can you imagine that moment? As Joseph goes through the tragic life that he has, don't you think he always looked back at that second? How long does it take? Jesus. The name that changed the world was pronounced first by a just man, by an obedient man, by a burden-bearing man, by a man that knew his son was a sacrifice. But I am here to tell you, I think it was all worth it if you could be the first person ever to say, this is Jesus. This is the Savior of the world. This is the man that will say, the baby that will grow up to save his people from their sins. And someday, as everyone kneels, as we talk about in Sunday school, the name of Jesus, it says. Not the name of Emmanuel. Not the name of the Prince of Peace. The name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. It's Joseph that said it. 
as tragic as his life had to be, wouldn't you love to trade places with him for just a second? Listen, Christian, I don't know what you're facing throughout all that's going on in the world today, but I can promise you, it's not just a baby in a manger that's with us. It's God with us. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me tell you something, and I don't mean to be mean. You will never, ever face a baby in a manger. You're going to face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the blessed and only potentate whose eyes are as a flame of fire, whose feet are as fine brass, whose voice is as the voice of many waters. Why not trust Him while you still can? Why not trust Him as your Savior today? I think so many lost people are thinking you're going to meet the sweet Jesus teaching on the hillsides of Galilee when you get to eternity. No, no, no. You're going to face your judge and your jury and the King of Kings. Why not trust Him today while He can still be your Savior? Because if you wait too long, He'll just be your judge. Have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. I admit that the message this morning was not extremely convicting for the Christian. It was encouraging for us, I believe. But I wonder how many today would say, Brother Harper, I know I'm saved. I know I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I know. That if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Jesus is my Savior. Heaven is my home. If you could say that this morning, would you slip your hand up and hold it high in the air? I know I'm saved. I know I've trusted Christ. I know Jesus is my Savior and heaven is my home. Thank you. May put your hands down. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, some didn't raise their hand. Wouldn't you like to know? What did the profit a man if he should gain the whole world? lose his own soul. There's not a person alive who believes that there's an eternity that doesn't want to spend it in heaven. How many would say, Brother Harper, I couldn't raise my hand a moment ago. I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven. But I would like to know that. Nobody's looking but me. Would you slip your hand up, please, all over the auditorium? I'm not going to send someone to get you or point you out to anyone. I just want to know to pray for you. I'm not sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know that. All right, Christian, this morning. This is the time of year for Thanksgiving. Well, we don't call it that. This is the time of year to be thankful that God sent His Son to die. This is the time of year to celebrate the greatest gift we've ever been given. So I wonder in this Christmas season... When's the last time you got out of your seat and came to an old-fashioned altar and said thank you? Not just for the baby in the manger, but the Jesus that would save His people from their sins. Just a moment, we'll have an invitation. We'll pray, then we'll stand. Then the piano will begin to play. On the first verse, we'll just have the piano. The piano will begin to play. Why don't you take a moment, in just a moment, after we pray. Uh, and then, uh, why don't you take a moment and come to an old-fashioned altar and spend some time and just say thank you. 
Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you bless this invitation in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, let's stand all over the auditorium. In just a moment, I'm going to point at the pianist and she's going to begin to play. Why don't you step out on the first note? Don't wait. Don't look around and see who else steps out. If you're stepping out to follow someone, you'd be just as well staying in your seat. There's room enough here to social distance. But once you do what the Lord's laid on your heart this morning, step out and just spend a moment and say, thank you, not just for being a baby in a manger, but for being the Jesus that would save his people from their sins. As the piano begins, won't you step out? singing. You can go ahead and uh, be seated and we'll have some announcements real quick before our final closing song. I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, thank you for that message. Where, where'd he go? Oh, I'm not sure where he Oh, he went, he's in the back. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, next Friday, the 25th is Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. Lynn did want me to make one announcement. All of you all who are interested in Christmas caroling, 
right after service if you'll come and meet right down here following the service and uh, I think she's going to have some instruction and maybe a game plan to, to do that this evening is that correct or some other time I guess that's why we're having a meeting so all the all of you all who are interested uh, right down here after service and I think that is the only announcement we have I appreciate that message uh, brother Harper I'm sure you can uh, see him on the way back. He's probably out there, maybe at the book table. If you're lactose intolerant, that may be a problem. But uh, anyway, we'll have a song, and we'll, we, we will be dismissed, and he'll be back with us this evening. All right, let's go ahead and stand. As we end with joyful, joyful, we end dismissed.